Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit doordevil.com and enter best ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today, today's guest, Jacob Charrington. Hi, Jacob. Hey, how's it going, Joe? Good, good. I know you go by JC, so from this point forward, I will call you JC. <laughs> All right, cool. I'm excited to talk to JC, and I know, best ever listeners, you're going to get a lot out of this conversation if you are interested in learning the world of flipping. I personally have never done a short-term flip before. I say short-term because you know, I'm involved right now in a, a five-year hold on a value-add multifamily property of 168 units, but I've never personally done a short-term flip. And that is what JT specially is in. He has done over 100 flips in the Las Vegas market since 2009. He started with single-family homes, worked his way up to fourplexes, and all the way up to a 200-unit short-term flip. So we're going to talk to JC about that experience, and obviously we're going to get his best real estate investing advice ever based on that experience. So with that being said, JC, can you give a little bit more background on your experience and what you're focused on right now? Um, I started off with, with the, the housing market. Well, my wife and I did, actually. We started off with uh, with flipping homes. We didn't have much money. We were working at the, um, at the, the nightclub industry and doing things like that, bartending or whatever. And of course, we both wanted to help. We're both entrepreneur, you know, in our in our hearts and our mindsets. Kind of want to work for ourselves and have our own business. So I was attempting to do some other businesses that weren't even real estate related. She was thinking about flipping houses, and I said, "Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about it, but go for it. Give it a shot." You know. So um, you know, we asked around, and it was funny because I remember I was talking to some some like experienced real estate people, and they were telling us, uh, you know, "No, nah, don't 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 get into flipping houses. It's bad. You know, you're not going to make any money. It's too dangerous." Uh, giving us like all the, the reasons not to do it. And of course, it ended up being the best thing that we've ever done financially. Um, so, so I've learned you can't learn to people that you think are experts or you know, know more than yourself because uh, they definitely knew a lot more than we did then. But, uh, but we, in a way, know much more than they know now, maybe not in their specific field, but, but nonetheless, um, I guess you've got to you, you trust your intuition and not just listen to the experts sometimes. So yeah, we started off in the, the housing market, which... If we didn't start there, I don't know, I don't know how we could have, because it was just at a price point that was low enough. We started off with just seventy thousand dollars, so um, it was a time. But I, I've learned in real estate, there's always a way that you know, regardless of where you're at, there's there's always a way to start. Sometimes it's harder than other ways. You know, it's it's always easier to make money when you have money, but even with little bits. Um, you know, you can get started. And we started by buying a condo at the auction with no idea what we were doing. Uh, it was right behind the Palms Casino, 
which really isn't a good area. It's not a horrible area, but it's not that good. So I remember we picked it up. We went there, and um, I remember we went inside, and it had nothing. Like, it had no floors. It was just a wood frame. You could walk through to the next apartment. We freaked out. Oh, my gosh. Just, yeah, <laughs> like, I, I mean, we'd never done this before, and we thought, oh, my God, like, I thought I was just going to have to, like, paint or fix the sink or something, and there was no apartment, literally not. It was a one-bedroom <laughs> apartment, but you could walk through to the next apartment. And so so we didn't know what to do. We were pissed off. We we screamed at the, the guy that helped us out to get the place from the auction, and he said, you know, calm down, calm down. I got a, I got a, a guy to help you, you know, make this into an apartment. And we thought, make it into an apartment? Like, how much is that going to cost? This is insane. There's not even an apartment here, you know? And uh, long story short, it ended up being $5,000. That was it. And he turned it into an apartment, tiled the floors. We couldn't believe how cheap it was. That's crazy. He built a kitchen, cabinets, and everything. Yeah, you can get some pretty cheap materials. Looked beautiful. And uh, we made, a, I think, like $12,000 profit off of that one in about a month's time. And back then, I was making like 4000 a month working. So that was, uh, that was an incredible, incredible profit. I have a couple of questions on this. You you mentioned seventy thousand, and that is, I, I imagine you would agree, that is a lot of money. It's not a lot from a grand scheme of things with the opportunity that's involved with real estate, but seventy thousand to start out with is a large chunk of change. You had saved that up with your wife, and yeah, we were bartending. You were bartending years, yeah, and you. You put between it. Did us, you go right between you two? You had it. Did you? Mm-hmm. You went all in on the first property on the first condo with yeah, that. So we were, what? We were, what we was that place. like? Um, for me, I don't. For her, it seemed less scary. For me, it was more scary. She was more of a risk taker at the time, and I was more of a saver. So I was always good at saving money. Like if if you you know if I made five dollars a month, I'd save two fifty of it. You know what I mean? Like I, I could save, and she was a good risk taker. So so she was kind of attitude like if we lose it all. You got to take that chance. You got to risk because if you don't risk, nothing good's going to happen. So she had a really great attitude in that she was she was a risk taker way more than I was. And the second thing I want to ask you about is the experts that you spoke to who said don't do flipping, don't do it. You did it. Why did they say you shouldn't do it? And how were you able to be so successful? Well, well, looking back, uh, you know sometimes people might be an expert at what, you know, real estate, let's say, like the, I remember the people that we were asking, they're really good buyers and seller agents. And, um, and although they were good at that, they didn't really have any experience in what we wanted to do, but we didn't know that because we were absolutely beginners. So to, to us, you know, they were seasoned realtors and knew a lot about real estate. But if you're not asking somebody that's specific, specific to what you want to do, and we didn't know the difference, um, then, you know, you might not get the opinion that you want. And so, you know, looking back, I've realized they just, they didn't know anything about it. They weren't risk takers because you can be in real estate, but real estate is such a, a vast field. There's so many different ways. See, every, every time you say you do real estate, people think that you just, um, you know, you just sell homes, you know, you're just a buyer or a seller. Right. Agent. Yep. They think, oh, it must be tough right now. But oftentimes when people think the market is tough, it's actually the best for maybe somebody who's an investor, you know, doing the opposite of what, you know, people think is, is the good thing to do can sometimes be the best thing you've ever done. How many flips are you working on right now? Right now, now that we've moved up to like a, a bigger price point and we're doing like more commercial because typically our complexes are in the size of about 30 units per complex. And so we have, I think, 
three at the moment, so three, six. Now we have about 100 units. What are your plans for those three? Uh, same thing that we've always done. We just we basically buy them distressed, in really bad shape. You know, bad tenants, drug dealers. You know, prostitutes, the whole nine. And then we pretty much kick everybody out, kind of stabilize it, and then get it fixed up, fill it with good tenants, and sell it as a really attractive, nice, easy to own property. So, based on your experience in flipping, and you know what? Before we get to that, tell I, I we got introduced through a mutual friend, and he told me that you invest in some of the most dangerous areas. <laughs> In Las Vegas, yes. he yeah. was terrified. He did a drive. You know, uh, I, yeah. I, I hate to use the word drive-by. With, with it almost it, was, it, yeah, yeah. But he <laughs> drove around with a ride-along with you, almost like you're a police officer. How the heck do you survive these areas, and why do you choose to do that? Well, and and are they as bad as what I've been told? Yes and no. You know, like it kind of just depends. A little bit on the day too, because um, you know some days you go to certain neighborhoods and it might be a bad neighborhood, and there's no trouble at all, just smooth. And then you know the wrong people are out the wrong day, and yeah, it becomes like a, a nightmare situation. Because we do deal with, not, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say the absolute worst neighborhoods. There are a couple that we don't touch in Las Vegas that I think are like beyond help. Like you can't even, you know, they're, they're beyond fixing. They're, they're absolutely screwed. I, I don't even know. What you would do with those neighborhoods? What are those? What, for for people interested in Vegas, what are those neighborhoods? Okay, yeah, and they might look the same, by the way. If you're looking at like LoopNet, like commercial real estate sites, and you you know you think, oh wow, what a great deal this is. No, it's not a great deal. It looks like the rest, but it's not. Any of the uh, any of the streets that start with letters or numbers, stay away from. First Wait, street, second, a street, street that's. A street that starts with a number or a letter? Isn't that yeah, the like only if it's option? First street, if it says First Street, Second Street, Third Street, D Street, A Street, C Street, oh, don't buy there. Okay. Don't buy there. Because pretty much you're not, yeah, it's just, you, it's beyond it's beyond fixing. I don't even, I remember I, we thought about it one time. We drove through it, and I remember these little kids pointed a gun at me. They were like eight years old, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> they stopped me in front of my car. They were like eight and pulled a gun out and pointed at me. Oh, so, was it real? Yeah, I knew I knew that just, yeah. And it's, um, yeah, so there's some neighborhoods that are beyond fixing. The reason that we got into it was because the housing market dried up, like I said, and um, the flipping market, it kind of just went away at the auction. There stopped being deals. There stopped being homes, you know, going through the auction that was worth any value of flipping. So we we thought, well, let's let's try commercial. A lot of people there, they had gotten comfortable, which is another thing. I'd say don't you can't get comfortable. you got to keep trying new things or you got to keep taking risks in new areas we were at the housing market it was going great you were picking up deals left and right and all of a sudden it dried up and a lot of people just thought well i'm just going to stay here it's going to come back i'm going to wait it didn't come back and so i don't know what those people are doing now but we thought well let's let's attempt commercial we've never done it before but how hard can it be right it's kind of similar and so we did it and it also ended up being pretty good we had a lot of trouble and headaches but before we knew it we were getting deep into it it was all we were doing and so yes it was very dangerous but we still weren't established yet financially we're still growing and so we didn't want to go back to working jobs we want to stay entrepreneurs and it was the only way that we knew so even though it was dangerous you know we stayed in it of course i didn't allow my wife to go to the properties i went she dealt with maybe the real estate side of it 
And it was my attitude that this is what life gave me, so I'm not going to back down from it. There were some days I didn't want to go, sometimes scared. I almost got jumped a few times and uh, almost got myself in some really bad situations. But um, but it's what life put in front of me, and I, I learned whatever you're doing or whatever life's put in front of you, you can either back away from it or you can find a way to dominate it. You know, And that's all attitude. I love that philosophy. and. Not that we even need to get your best real estate investing advice ever because we've already got a lot of good advice, but let's go ahead and do this. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Um, specific to maybe the, the commercial or the fourplexes? Yeah, stuff, yeah, specific, specific to flipping and what you're doing now. Um, I would definitely say for me, my on the journey that I've been, dealing with contractors has been – the biggest learning lesson that I've dealt with because I've dealt with contractors and sometimes I've just dealt with handymen because certain properties I can make a, more money if I only deal with a handyman versus a contractor because, of course, a contractor is just like a middleman. I'm paying them to supervise, you know, and sometimes it's beneficial to use a contractor. Sometimes it's beneficial to use a handyman. So if you're dealing with a contractor, definitely set up a contract that's very beneficial to yourself. Meaning set a, dead, set a deadline and be very specific. Don't just make a vague agreement with them and say, okay, you know, I'm going to pay you $100,000 to get all this stuff done and, you know, do it by December. No, no. Put it down in a contract, detailed, you know, and if they get over that time frame, you know, put it down so that every single day they're late, you know, you're going to dock them $200 a day. Because a contractor who's a licensed contractor, you actually have a lot of power over them because the contractor's board is actually like a police force that's, that's there to kind of regulate them and very much in your favor. So, and then you can feel comfortable. You can go ahead and you can give them a big chunk up front, you know, $15,000 or $20,000. You still don't get crazy with it, but you can give them bigger amounts up front to get started, which typically they want. Now, if you're dealing with a handyman, which I have on some of my property, obviously, um, if you have a handyman, typically they're really they're trying to make as much money as they can. They're not going to bring on a, bring on a big crew because it's going to cost them too much to be worth it. So they're going to move a little bit slower. They're going to promise the world and say, oh, yeah, I can fix this whole place in a month. But in reality, it's going to take them eight months or nine months. So what I've done now, and this has one, been one of the biggest helps, is let's say I have a, a complex of 30 apartments, and the whole place needs to be rehabilitated, everything. Instead of just bringing on one crew, I'll, and, and, and negotiating the whole property with him or her, I will bring on two or three different crews separate. They don't know each other. And I'll say, okay, you get these five apartments, you get those five apartments, and then you get you know, these five. And I'll negotiate the prices with them. I'll only give them just enough to get the, um, the materials because those guys can just take off of their money, and I've seen it happen to other people. So you just give them just enough, whether it's three or $4,000, just enough to kind of just buy the materials and then pay them for the rest of the labor once it's done. And whoever finishes their five apartments first then gets the next five. And then that way it will keep them kind of competing with one another. And you'll get your complex finished much quicker. Interesting. Yeah. And since I'm in the flipping business, it's really, really beneficial to go about it that way because time is money. And I've had guys hold me up forever. But when I go about it this way, they, they're not holding me up because they're competing with each other to get it done quicker. Because the more quicker they get it done, the more work they get. That's a very practical approach to being a lot more uh, uh, efficient with rehabs and renovations. I think that could be applied to not only flipping and 
but just any type of construction work that you do uh, from a renovation standpoint. I think obviously if you're building from the ground up, then you don't want to have separate crews doing separate uh, jobs because well, then you, you could you could have you could in a way do the same thing even if you build it from the ground up. Like you could give, let's say, you had several buildings on one complex. You could just give one building to one contractor and then bring another contractor and give him the other building. So it's separate jobs. So you still could do the same. Yeah. Because I have had licensed contractors go over their time too, and then we get in this big argument where you know I want to sue and this and that and all this stuff. So I, it still could be a beneficial approach. Even, but yeah, you wouldn't split the building, the same building up. You know, by, by two different contractors. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess in the back of my mind, slash creeping up to the front, is having a Frankenstein project where you've got one building that's one, based on one direction, another based on another. But I guess it's just in your oversight and management and making sure they adhere to the plans. Uh, so it shouldn't necessarily be. Uh, it shouldn't affect what it looks like. It should only affect how quickly it gets done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, JC, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> best ever book you've read? Oh, definitely Thinking Real Rich. Thinking Real Rich, absolutely. Have and you... then for real estate specific, one, the second best is uh, Donald Trump's, um, uh, what is it called, Donald Trump? It's where he's on the cover and he's just, you know, looking glorious with his big blonde hair. Oh, God, that's every, that's every one of his books. Is that every one of his books? <laughs> um, oh, man, because it's crazy because basically his father did exactly what, what we do, exactly, to the T, to the T. Everything I described to you, that's exactly what his dad did, and then he was the one that branched off and uh, went into Manhattan and started building high-rises and big fancy buildings. But anyways, it was a very great book because I learned so much from it. So as a secondary, that one – and then as a primary, Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich is a must. I don't care what you do in life. Think and Grow Rich. You would like Three Feet from Gold. It's uh, created... Oh, I've heard of that one, but never yeah, read it. Yeah, it's created from the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and it's a, it's Napoleon Hill's principles, but in a storytelling format. Anything from him, I, I'd imagine, is probably amazing. Yeah. And the best ever listeners, all you got to do is just Google Donald Trump, Gorgeous blonde hair cover, and you'll find the book that JC's re- referencing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll before this call is through, it'll pop up into my mind. I'll, I'll know it. <laughs> Best ever personal growth experience, and what you've learned from it. Okay, first ever, best ever personal growth experience is this, hands down, because I've, I've had so many, but this realization right here: don't ever be a victim. Believe 100% that everything that is going on in, in your life is completely in your control. And the moment that you think, oh, well, you know, this, this happened and this wasn't my fault and this was this, you know, your, your, your life is, is never going to be what it could. Have your life the... is going to be junk. So you have... take 100% control. And that's hard for some people to, to comprehend because some things feel like it's so out of their control. But the moment you do that, you're a victim, and, and life is happening to you. You're not, you're not happening to it. I love that. I love that. Have the victor approach, not the victim approach. Even when I go to the neighborhood and I got some guys who want to jump me or this or that, I don't look at it like, oh, you know, just, oh, man, these guys, you know, they want to jump me. No, I think, like, what did I do to cause that? Maybe it's the way I'm dressed. Maybe it's the way I'm acting. Maybe it's something. But if something was different about me, they wouldn't have tried that. Or if I had approached this differently, spoken differently, something – so even when people out of the blue come up and want to rob me, 
That's my fault. Interesting. Wow. I love that. I, and I, I like how you approach it from the inner world and being able to control what you can control, and that's yourself, how what things mean to you and how you approach things versus trying to control the outer world because we'll all go insane if we try and control the things that are outside of our control. Yeah, yeah. Best ever success habit you practice? Taking risks. At least in this, in this business, if you want to make money, if you want to save money, you don't have to take risks. You don't. You can be a good saver. But if you want to make money, and you're not taking risks, forget about it. You'll never be financially free. I think. That's just my opinion. I don't like to say never to anybody, but if you're starting from the bottom, so to speak, on your own, and something not handed down to you, and you're not taking risks, especially financially, you know, you, you, there's a, it's kind of a funny quote but uh, I saw in a movie. You've got to risk it to make the biscuit. You know, you gotta, you gotta say, you know, you gotta. It's like a football movie, a joke, but um, but that 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 funny quote is so true. You know, you gotta you gotta take risks in everything. You know, if you want to meet a a beautiful girl, you gotta take risk of getting rejected. You know, if you want to get better as a let's say a boxer or a fighter, you gotta risk getting your butt kicked. You know, if you want to risk, if you want to get anything, you have to risk something in order to get it. And if you want money, you have to risk money to get it because money makes money. Best ever deal you've done? Uh, the best ever deal I, I I did I think there's been a good there's been a few good ones, but maybe the best one that that we did was the one that I discussed with you just because it was so crazy to me. It was um, it was the the wholesale one, the wholesale deal that we did, where we picked something up, and we didn't even have the money to get it because it was. It was tied up. So we basically, we had done deals with the seller in the past. So they knew that we were good. They knew that we, you know, we would come through on a deal. So they were willing to, to work with us a little bit. So we picked it up, kind of held it, so to speak. And we had another buyer who we knew exactly what they were looking for. And they were looking for exactly what we were picking up. And they said, well, we'd pick it up at like, let's say, 22 a door. Like if you find something at 22 a door, then great, you know, we will take it. And because uh, they, they knew that we sold a lot. And the other person was willing to sell it at 17 to door. And so basically, we just wholesaled it. And within like a week's time, you know, made like uh, 70 grand or something like that just, just by connecting the dots, so to speak. Wow. And how, how about the best deal that you've done that was a renovation and you had to get in there and, uh, hire the multiple general contractors and make that happen. Okay, no, the best deal that we did, and I would say it's true that like that, that, that old quote, when luck meets uh, preparation, you know, um, when you're doing something and you start to get good at it and you have your mind is in a positive place and you're thinking in the right place, then you'll, you'll come across lucky situations. And I think this one was that, where we picked up a, a big complex, the 200-unit place, and we took a big risk on that one because we used a lot of leverage. Not only did we put all of our own money out, we took a hard money loan. And that's when you run the risk of if anything happens in the market, you can lose everything. You know, those are one of those risky times where you really are at, your, your butt is on the line. You know, you can lose everything. And so we took that chance. And at that time, at least in Vegas, um, it was probably about two years ago, the market was going up. 
um, quite uh, quite quickly. Uh, it just kind of hit that time, but we didn't know. You couldn't. You can never tell what the market's going to do. Uh, I mean, I, I've never been able to. And so, but at that time, looking back on it now, it was going up quite quickly. And it was funny because we thought we were going to flip it for a little bit, not a big profit. And um, we had this, this company come in who was wasting our time, left and right. They're a big investment company, and they're you know, they promising us, oh, we're going to take it. But they had some hang-ups with their loans. And I remember I could have freaked out and thought, oh, my God, you know, I mean, literally I can lose everything. Everything could be going wrong. But instead, I, I remember keeping a really positive attitude during that time and, um, and just thinking to myself, that uh, some way, somehow, this is working out for my benefit. Long story short, it took a lot longer than I liked. I kept a good attitude. The people that were trying to buy it, they couldn't buy it. Uh, they, they really just kind of wasted a lot of our time. I could have been upset about it. And at the very last minute, somebody came along and offered us, you know, cash deal, the highest amount possible, close immediately, and then we made a bigger profit than, oh, than I could have uh, imagined going into it. And so there were a lot of luck factors involved. But I tend to think that luck favors those who can keep their mind in a really positive place when, when they don't have a, a legitimate reason to. You know, when you can be positive when there's, when there's no reason to be positive, you know, when you can keep your mind there thinking that everything is working out for my favor. What were the numbers behind that one? Um, well, that was a multi-multi-million dollar property. And um, so in the, in the neighborhood of four and five, but of course, that's not the profit. But uh, four and five million dollar property, yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a. I would say it was a life changing deal. Yeah, it was a huge, huge deal. Best ever quote. I don't want anything because I already have everything. People always want something in life. We all want something in life, and that 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 quote changed my life. I don't want anything anymore. I already have it. Have you thought of the Donald Trump book? I've got some op- uh, I've got some options no, I've got some options for you. Um, We've got think I've got it pulled up. I think like a champion. Trump, how to get rich. Think big and kick ass. Trump, the art of the deal. That's it. The art of the deal. Yeah. There you go. We yep. got a winner. Okay. The art of the deal. <laughs> yeah, art of the deal. Great book for investors and flipping and and his dad did everything that we did. Basically, dealt with a lot of. Um, low-income properties, you know, and dealing with all that. And I've said, I think that we're kind of at a phase, us, where we're looking for the next thing, because I think I've grown a little, I've, I've appreciated, I've been grateful for it, but I've kind of grown ready for the next phase, because the low-income neighborhoods has worn on me, and I know that some people, um, ah, well, everybody's on their own journey in this business, so I don't want to... Mm, tell somebody how to take it that's that's up to them they're going to learn as they go but while i was doing it with the low-income properties in a weird way i really loved it and now i'm just ready for the next thing i'm ready to to be working possibly maybe in nicer higher-end homes in a different market maybe in hawaii where i can actually make things really beautiful because i really love fixing things up and making them look gorgeous in the low-income properties, you can't because it's going to get destroyed. So you kind of have a – you have to know, like, well, I can only fix it so much. JC, what's the best yeah. ever place to reach you? The best ever place to reach me? Uh, you mean like Twitter or something like that? Yeah. How can people get a hold of you if they want to talk to you? God, I'm, really, I'm such an – I'm like a young old man. Like I, I don't have a Facebook. I don't have a Twitter. I don't you have, have an anything. email? I do have an email, yeah. Yeah, I do have an email. All right. 
Um, it's Jacob, J-A-C-O-B, Charrington, C-H-E-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N, the number two, at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, if somebody wants to reach me and have any questions about real estate, you know, I, um, I would be more than happy to, to answer any questions or help if somebody's really serious about it. I mean, I needed a, I needed a hand. I needed help, uh, throughout my, throughout my life and throughout my career and occasionally still do. So I have no problem, uh, offering the same help to anybody that has some questions or needed tips or advice and they're doing something similar. Well, thank you so much, JC. This has been not only a lesson in flipping, but then also personal development, psychology, and uh, literature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thanks so much for you know sharing your best ever advice with the listeners, and uh, I will talk to you soon, my friend. Okay, yeah, thank you, Joey. It was fun. I'd... Okay, thank you so much. Man. And stay safe. <laughs> Yeah, well, we didn't even get into the stories, but yeah. yeah. What's a story? Give give, give me a, give us a story. What's the craziest oh, experience? God, there's been so many, but I'll just use I'll use the day that that you said your friend came because that was such a funny day. It was like it was like he got the show. I felt like Denzel Washington in Training Day. Um, you know what I mean? Like he was Ethan Hawke. <laughs> like like he he wanted to meet me because he wanted to do this business so he thought i'll meet him downtown in las vegas you know so he met me downtown i'm calling him and and trying to see where where is he you know and he says oh, i'm on this corner i'm on this corner and i hear this chaos in his background like somebody trying to attack him and he's like come quick come quick this guy is you know he's coming after me and, I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I, I go i see you i see you so i see him at the corner downtown so this messed out looking homeless dude, or I don't know if he's homeless, but just crazy ass looking big white guy, running after him. So he jumps into my truck, and uh, I got a, a you know a pickup truck, and he jumps into the truck, and and then this guy he runs up to my truck, and he's in the passenger window, like almost <laughs> in your, your your friend's face, and he's screaming, "Give me money!" You know, like like, but looking like he's gonna go nuts on us, you know. So. You know, I know how to deal with these people because I'm, you know, always seeing them on a regular basis. You can't be nice. So I'm screaming at this guy, you know, get out of here. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to knock you out. You know, I'm just, I'm going level 10. Like, I'm not holding back, you know. So I make like I'm going to get on my truck and I'm screaming at him like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hurt him. And so then he just kind of like, you know, and then just walks away. And then I remember right from the start, he's like, oh, my God. Like, is this? What's going on? Is it is it always like this? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, sometimes, you know, sometimes. And so we go down behind the stratosphere where some properties that I've had, and that's a really bad neighborhood. Um, and so we've we've got we went behind there, and then I'm showing him some buildings, pointing to them, saying, ah, look at this, and talking about numbers, teaching him some things. Then all of a sudden, this guy drives up in a car, and he kind of blocks us off like he's a police officer, and then he uh, like reaches for a gun and kind of like pulls it out a little bit, and looks at us. And so I just open my window and kind of, you know, casually tell him, nah, man, I don't need anything. Thank you so much. We're just working, yeah? And then he kind of looks confused and says, oh, okay. And kind of like gets out of our way and just drives down the street. <laughs> and, and our friend, he's like, oh, my God, like, what, what if that guy killed us? You know, like, what would you done? I'm like, I don't know, duck, get down. Like, you know, just, just joking, you know, like, I, I don't hit him with his car. But it was funny because, and then it was more stuff throughout the day that just kept happening weird like that. And, uh, you know, yeah, man, people live in the most crazy way in some of these neighborhoods. I mean, they're just barely holding on to life. And so their perspective of life is so different than our perspective of life. And, um, you know, if you're dealing with C-class neighborhoods, 
you know, there's uh, oh God. that that my friend is a D class neighborhood. No, believe it or not, that's C. At least here in Vegas. Wow. Yeah. All right. I'll All talk right, to you later. It. Okay. Thanks, man. Bye. Okay. Hey you, best ever listener, do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.